0: This morning's scripture reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that, whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labour that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This morning we continue our studies in the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Church of God at Corinth. This second letter was uh, penned just under 12 months following the first letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a deeply personal letter. It is a defence of the Apostle Paul's apostolic authority and preaching. We've noticed in our studies thus far that there are a number of contrasts in this letter. So for example in chapter 3 we saw the contrasts and the comparisons between the old covenant and the new covenant. In chapter 4 we noticed the contrast between the God of this world and the living and true God. Also a contrast between the false teachers and their error and false teaching compared with the Apostle Paul's teaching from above. And finally, in our last study, we noted at the end of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So there we saw a contrast between the visible and invisible realities. We're looking this morning at the first ten verses of Second Corinthians chapter 5, which is a continuation of the argument which started back in chapter 4 at verse 7. And there are some strong links with what has been written previously. Uh, First of all, the uh, roots are in the jars of clay. Look at chapter 4, verse 7, please. For we have this treasure in jars of clay, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Also, the notice of the resurrection, verse 14 knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. And then, as we just mentioned, those visible and invisible realities. We look at verse 1 then in chapter 5. The apostle writes under inspiration, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The apostle is uh, stating here something about our knowledge, for we know something. What do we know? We know about God, the eternal God. We know about the Lord Jesus Christ. We know about the uh, inspired word of Holy Scripture. So As Christian people, we have been given light and understanding and certain knowledge about these eternal issues. So the Apostle can write, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we see here that there is a a series of metaphors, a tent, clothing and a home in these first ten verses here. And the first metaphor or illustration is the tent, as we read it at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. The tent then is speaking of our physical body. And of course the Apostle Paul was a tent maker, so he would have understanding about tents and as we all recognize a tent is a temporary dwelling the apostle uh, because he was from uh, a jewish background he could also have had in his mind here in the old testament the tent of meeting which became the tabernacle of god which reflected god's presence with his people and when we think of a tent Or when we think of that tent of meeting in Old Testament days, we think of that tent being taken down. And that's the point that Paul is making here, that we're thinking about our physical bodies and the end of our physical bodies and indeed of earthly existence. Uh, Please just glance back at the previous chapter and again at verse 12, chapter 4, verse 12. So then deaf workers in us. The Apostle uh, had survived a number of near-death experiences. For example, in the city of Lystra, when he was subject to stoning. Uh, Paul was very aware of the relative brevity of human life. And so we find that this metaphor is very apt for us, because it's speaking of a tent. It's speaking of this tent which is temporary and flimsy and... uh, Frail and vulnerable and wasting away, as we read again in verse 16 of the previous chapter. For this cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. And we're all keenly aware of the fact of death. One of the certainties of life, as is often mentioned, is the fact of death. So we see here in this first verse another contrast between this tent. This physical body, halfway through verse 1, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So in contrast to the tent, we have a building of God, and this is therefore a permanent, solid structure. And as the word is used there, it is eternal, it is everlasting. And furthermore, it's a house not made with hands. We read in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11, and I quote, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle or tent, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So we're thinking here of a heavenly sanctuary, which is the work of God, and it is perfect and permanent. Verse 2, for in this, that is in this earthly house, in this physical body, in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. In this we groan, our physical body. So what is the reason for the apostles groanings? We read in the earlier chapter of chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9. The Apostle could write, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. For in this we groan. But in the context, that those are not the reasons why the Apostle is groaning. The, the, the Apostle is groaning because he longs for perfection. Because he longs to put on his glorious spiritual body. And really we have a mixed metaphor here uh, in terms of, for in this we groan, earnest and desiring to be clothed upon with our house. That house is, in one sense, it's a garment, but it is more uh, keenly, really, the dwelling place of God. It is that permanent structure which is eternal. And so, like the Apostle Paul, as Christian people, we too... Uh, as we walk through this life we ought to be groaning groaning uh, not because of our circumstances or our troubles and hardships but groaning rather as the apostle says earnestly desiring that's a very strong term uh, earnestly desiring uh, for this for the heavenly dwelling place and that eternal home which is a building of god i just <coughs> Read some words from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the chapter regarding the resurrection. So also is the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonour, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So we're thinking here of this eternal dwelling place, which is provided by God, which is built by God. But again, we are being encouraged to not look so much at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, the things which are eternal. So we've been thinking about the first metaphor or illustration, uh, which was a tent. And now we're looking at the second one, which is clothing. And we've already referred to that in verse 2. So it is as if the Christian, the picture here is the Christian putting on a garment. And literally, what the apostle is saying here is that he longs to be clothed over. So the thought there is of someone, they're dressed, but then they put on an overcoat, they put on an extra garment. They long to be clothed over and Paul is looking forward here to Christ's second coming when our bodies will be transformed and glorified and there will be that additional clothing. Earnest desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Verse 3 then. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. So the question here is, are we dressed or are we undressed? Are we without that clothing of the body spiritually? We're living in that tent, but this tent will sooner or later be dismantled by death, by our mortality. And the Apostle Paul here we sense is really shuddering at the thought of death. Shuddering at the thought of death, not because he's afraid of dying, not because he doesn't know uh, the future, where he's going to live eternally, but shuddering about death because of his soul being without a covering. Because when we die, the the body and the soul are separated. And why does this happen? It happens, of course, because of sin, because of the fall that... When a person dies, we comprise of body and soul. The body is buried in the grave, the soul goes forward, but there is that time of separation. And yet, Paul knows fine well that that separation time will end, and there will come that moment when soul and body are reunited again. So, we do not need to fear that separation between body and soul. From Romans 14.8 I read, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. So at death we have that hope and that confidence that we shall be forever with the Lord in that eternal glory. Verse 4. For we that are in this tabernacle, this tent, this physical body, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So again, Paul is continuing his argument that began at verse 2. He's still speaking about his groaning. He's still thinking about that separation between body and soul at time of death. He's still concerned about not being Clothed with that heavenly body, but he realizes that in this life we are mortal, and he says something quite surprising at the end of verse 4 that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So we are mortal human beings, we're going to perish, our bodies are already wasting away, as we know, and yet we also have confidence that our personality in soul and body survives. And he's saying there that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And this thought is really going back to verse 10 in chapter 4. All was bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And also again, as I read earlier, at verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So as Christian people, we have experienced a spiritual work in the sense that once we were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, But by the power of God and the grace of God, we've been made alive in Christ Jesus and we are sitting with him in the heavenly places. And in our daily life and experience, we participate in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ because we are spiritually alive in him and because we draw uh, spiritual nourishment and food for our souls from him and so Paul can quite properly say that mortality might be swallowed up of life this is reversing the age old imagery of course of death and the grave being the great swallower so we read in Psalm 69 verse 15 let not the water flood overflow me neither let the deep swallow me up and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me there we see Death of the physical body descends into the grave. But for the believer in Christ we know that uh, that uh, end of our life we surrender ourselves to the, the risen power of Christ to eternal life. And so we can say that mortality might be swallowed up of life because we have the life to come. Uh, the grave is not the end in spiritual terms verse 5 now he that have wrought us for the selfsame thing is god who also have given unto us the earnest of the spirit this is really uh, a verse that's uh, reflecting on what we've already been considering and is also looking forward uh, to the following verses and there are three words here that may be helpful to us confidence faith and purpose but first of all we read that Therefore we are always confident, sorry, therefore, uh, verse 5, He that hath wrought us for the self staying thing is God, and also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. And that word earnest there is meaning, uh, it means prepared, really. So you can think of someone like a college lecturer, and he very diligently prepares a student for the exams, And so from Paul's own personal experience, he could testify that God had prepared him. That God had prepared him uh, in his life before Christ, when he was in Judaism, and when he received a very good education. God had prepared him in terms of his experience on the road to Damascus, when he was wonderfully converted. God had prepared him because he had given to Paul the gift of faith, to have faith in Christ as Saviour and Lord. And God had prepared him in terms of all his numerous hardships and trials. As he summarised them in chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9. And so what for what purpose was it that he is, the Lord has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And that is, of course is the, the Holy Spirit. That we may be covered with our resurrection body. That we may have a, a future glory to look forward to which God has prepared and we have here the pledge of that the earnest of the Holy Spirit Uh, this word pledge really uh, it means literally the down payment so God has given us the down payment of the hope of the future life and therefore speaking reverently god is obliged as it were to honor that down payment and indeed to make additional payments to us and this is to help us to receive a foretaste just a glimpse of the eternal life and of heaven and of eternity verse 6 therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we're at home in the body we are absent from the lord Here's a third metaphor in this passage. We thought about the tent and the clothing, and now it's the home. Now, of course, the apostle is writing to uh, the the members of the church at Corinth who were still alive. And he's, he's trying to reassure them and saying, friends, I realize like myself that you still live in this earthly dwelling, this tent, this tabernacle, which is your physical body. But we can say here that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Now, of course, let us be clear on this point. When it says we're absent from the Lord, that's meaning in terms of eternity and heaven. We're not yet in heaven. We're not yet forever with the Lord. But even here down on earth, we're still enjoying in our spiritual pilgrimage the Lord's presence and his ministry to us and his grace we still uh, may take to heart all his promises and all the encouragements that he passes on to us so we are at home in the body we hear in this present world and in this present life so we can say there's a contrast here of being at home and being away from home so it's rather like a person who is at home in the sense he's living in his own country And being away from home, that person who travels into another country. So he's at home, but he's also away from home. And then verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now this is literally my version in parentheses, this verse. And it is a parenthetical verse, but we must not rush by it. Because it is so important for the believer that we walk by faith and not by sight so immediately following our conversion we have a new life and a new agenda we're following a new master and we are called to walk by faith day by day faith in god and faith in christ faith in the promises of god We are called to believe in him and to dwell close to him day by day, as the psalmist says, to live under the shadow of the Almighty and not to walk by sight. Of course, verse 18 of chapter 4 is underlining something similar. While we look not at the things which are seen, the sight, but at the things which are not seen, faith. For the things which are seen, sight, are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that's a those are key words there even though they are placed in parentheses in many of our bibles. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. I just pause for a moment here to collect together some of our thoughts here because it's interesting that in these verses 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 1 to 10 the apostle makes a series of contrasts between the physical and the spiritual. So we find we're living in an earthly tent, but we look forward to a heavenly dwelling. At the present time we are unclothed, in that we are not in our resurrection bodies, but we shall be clothed, ...in our resurrection bodies and in our glorified bodies. At the present time we we experience the mortal life. But contrast that with eternal life. We are away from the Lord and yet we look forward to being with the Lord forever. We are in the body but we shall be away from the body. We are living by sight or we are very much by sight but it it will all be by faith... That, of course, is for uh, all human beings. But for Christians, as we've just said, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And so verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. Uh, This is the Christian now, uh, after death, of course, now, to be present with the Lord, no longer living in this earthly house, in this tent. But the believer has died and gone to be with the Lord. Philippians chapter 1 verse 23. The Apostle Paul writes, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For I am at a strait between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. So the Apostle there was having his own inner struggle as he faced death, which was very much a reality to him at that time, and also because he wanted to live wholly and completely for Christ. And yet he realised that for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Wherefore we labour, verse 9, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. In other words, whether we are in or out of the body, we are called to please the Lord. And as he was addressing his readers in the city of Corinth, um, he was addressing them and he was was exhorting them to serve the Lord, that they may be accepted of him. Uh, Of course, there's more practical teaching uh, in other of Paul's letters about our conduct and our behaviour, but that's not Uh, in this passage before us this morning so for example in romans 14 verses 17 and 18 we read for the kingdom of god is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit for he that is in these things serves christ is acceptable to god and is approved of men whether we wherefore we labor verse 9 that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. Paul I think in his mind as he's perhaps penning these words is thinking of three states as it were or three alternatives really. He's perhaps thinking that oh it would be good to be alive when Christ returns and I shall receive my transformed and glorified body immediately. Or secondly he could be thinking that um, he would die And leave this body and leave this earthly tent and be at home with the Lord. Or thirdly, he might also be uh, caused to think perhaps it's best if I just remain here on earth and then I can serve Christ's people. But of course in reality we've just been uh, reminded of of the apostles thinking of that with those words from Philippians chapter 1. And finally verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That is every single human being. But here Paul, in the context, is addressing Christian believers. And we also must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Christ is indeed our saviour and our Lord but also our judge and this appearing this accounting has nothing to do with our justification because when we are saved then we are justified by faith alone we're already justified we already stand righteous before God before his throne But this appearing before him, before the judgment seat of Christ, this means that uh, this is about our deeds done in the body, as it says at the end of this verse, whether good or bad. So whatever we have done with our lives as Christian people, this is going to be uh, before us as we stand before our judge. Have we been faithful to him? Have we endeavoured to serve him as we've been given opportunity? Have we proclaimed the gospel by our lips and by our lives? Uh, Have we been obedient servants to him? The things done in our body, whether good or bad. So the body, as we mentioned before, is wasting away. The body is wasting away. We are responsible for our own actions. And one day we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Again there is that reminder of the second coming of Christ as we await his second appearing. And also of the judgment and then of the being reunited with body and soul. So I'm just going to summarise very briefly now in only a few words the passage that has been before us. Just headings really. We've been thinking about life in this world as believers, of the prospect of life in the world to come, of the promise of reunion of body and soul, of the fact of the resurrection, not only of Christ but of our own bodies, the prospect of heaven, of eternal glory and eternal happiness. And we've been looking at these words together under the simple heading of the future look while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal amen i'm going to pray eternal god our heavenly father we do thank you for your precious word, for the encouragement of the truths before us this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you will grant us grace to apply these truths into our own daily experience in this present world, as we further look for your second appearing and that blessed fellowship with the Lord, as we look forward to that building of God which is eternal in the heavens. Lord, may we as your people ever seek to reflect upon the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen.